0: welcome to the washdown podcast and this week's guests are mike delaney and his wife ashley and we get to talk to them and get to find out kind of the spouse's perspective of what our jobs do to the family and what it's like whenever one of us gets hurt and the spouse has to deal with that so i hope you enjoy it we had a great time making it um here it is, the washdown podcast with Mike Delaney and his wife Ashley. <laughs> Mike,
1: <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy.
2: <laughs> oh, <laughs> guess I heard that wrong.
0: My bad. Um, yeah, well, you know, it's twenty twenty two. I can't I was agree. just gonna say that. Yeah. I know, and I said it first because we're married, <laughs> same brain. <laughs> 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 oh, it's kindler gentler world. Ugh.
1: Yep Yeah
0: So Welcome to the show guys Thanks. Thanks for having us Yeah Ashley Mike Hello
3: Hello
0: So Ashley mm-hmm. Why did you Let yourself get talked into coming here Or was this your idea
4: Um, I think I did actually mention When he said that he was Coming here the last time I was like You know Maybe they need a spouse's uh, Family point of view um, I see a lot of these types of podcasts and things where they just are talking to the first responder, and military, whatever, and they just don't get that spouse's point of view a lot. I mm-hmm. think that'd be good. Or All maybe right. not. We'll see.
0: Well, we won't know until we hear it. Uh huh. <laughs> no, it's actually, that's a conversation that we've had kind mm-hmm. of over and over again of getting spouses on and the other guy that does the... Podcast with us, Chris. Um, he's tried to get his wife to come on with my wife, and then have you know that talk. Mm-hmm. And his wife's like, eh, this "Maybe is what, not. This is why I stay single.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna put myself <laughs> in the position." Smart man. Mm-hmm.
4: I saw something recently, I don't remember if it was on TV or whatever, and but they were talking about most jobs are a job, even if it's a career. But for first responders, it's not just a job. It's the entire family is in, it's a lifestyle. So, um, yeah, it's really important to get the family's point of view, I think. Yeah. Uh,
0: point the mic down just a little bit to where it's right towards your mouth. There you go. So, yeah, and that's a valid point, though, because... I mean, for one, just the schedule alone. Mm-hmm. You know, as firefighters, we work 24 on, 48 off. If it's overtime, then it's 48 on, 24 off. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some municipalities do it a little different. They, you know, run four days straight and then three days. Really weird schedules. And then police, I mean, you guys, I still can't figure out your schedule. <laughs>
2: it's a simple five-week rotation (laughs) no there's nothing simple about it. no it's not simple my old department's getting ready to go to 12s probably uh, for manpower
0: yeah well everybody's rumor i heard everybody's having to make adjustments so
1: you know what i'll about with his old department you always ask them hey what day you work they all have that stupid tiny little calendar that they're like oh let me just pull it out real quick i'm like you were naked. Where'd you pull that calendar out from? Like, where did that thing come from? They all have it. It's like that big. <laughs> just, yeah. They're like, oh, I'm on my fives that week, or I'm on my fours. I'm like, what? Do you work or not? <laughs> like, <laughs> just a simple yes or no. Yeah.
2: Well, then they pull out their other calendar looking off duty, too. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> it's so, I yeah. can tell you my schedule for the rest of my life. <laughs> it's
0: perfect. I stopped paying attention. Like, because Rachel asked me, like, a month down the road, hey, do you work on this day? I don't know. (laughs) You're just going to have to look at the schedule. You have the same schedule I do, so just look it up and tell me. (laughs) Yep. So.
4: And with you, maybe you weren't scheduled that day, but turns out, highway shooter. We worked a lot. Subway robberies, whatever else you got going on. 600 hours of overtime. (laughs) Oh, you just thought you were off? (laughs) No big deal. Get your ass in (laughs) here. It's definitely never off.
0: No. So how does that, like, for real, though, how does that affect family time? Um, Like, I mean, with being able to plan things and stuff like that, because, I mean, that's even, like, mm -hmm. even more extreme than just, like, I don't want to say a normal cop or firefighter, but, I mean, whenever you're kind of on call, that's...
4: Yeah, I mean, it's rough. We actually... I feel like we did it right. We we really talked about it before we even moved in together. Um I was a single mom before I met him, so I was used to doing things alone a lot. Um so I was I was okay with him working a lot as long as I felt like he was still prioritizing us, which you did a good job of. So like if it was um you know, obviously my son's birthday, he's just going to say I can't go in. Um or something, I don't know whatever comes up. A lot of things he missed, but if it was important and he knew it was important to me, then he made it a priority to be there. So I think that's where it's most important. And sometimes I would just have to say, uh, I'm feeling a little neglected. Like, Hey, remember me? (laughs) Can I have a date night? And I would say that to him and then he would take me on a date night. Um, so we, we actually managed that pretty well. But I know it's not for it's not for everybody. I mean, if you don't know what you're getting into and you just think it's a nine to five job, um, you're gonna be sorely disappointed.
1: Well, I'm, I'm interested too, like because say an event has to be missed, both of you are bummed, both of you are sad, upset. Mm-hmm. But it, it's different, you know. He may at least have the distraction of I'm missing this, but I've I've got to do my job. That's in the back of my mind. I'll address that. You're sitting on your butt at home. Yeah. But like not being distracted, it's sad yeah. that you're missing it. It's so it's it's almost hard. I can understand how it'd be harder for you. But then there's also that compounding guilt or whatever it may be that like, where Mike is like, I'm upset because I'm missing this. I know how she's feeling, and it's. I'm sure it does take a lot of good communication to, not necessarily lay each other's anger towards the situation out on each other, but at the same time, just know that each other isn't suffering alone. Yeah. Because of it,
4: and it seemed like the small things were. What was more frustrating, just like who's going to do the laundry and um, take the Maggie to daycare and um, that kind of stuff, like the everyday boring stuff that nobody wants to do. Somebody's got to do it. Um, again, we were lucky that I work from home, so I could do a lot of that on breaks and in between. I didn't have a commute, but I don't know how regular people do it. If you're driving an hour into work every day, you're gone all day. Um, and then driving an hour home and your spouses have the schedule. I don't, I don't think I could have done that. We got really lucky that I work from home. It was really helpful, but yeah, sometimes, sometimes it does feel like the burden of the mundane everyday household things is always on me. Sometimes it still feels like that, like, cause he's going back to school now and, but again, I signed <laughs> up go. for it. He he talked to me about it before he was I back just to think school, it's so. funny how. <laughs> yeah. So I, I can't I can't say that I didn't know what I was getting into. So even on days when I get really frustrated, um, I have to just tell myself like hey, I signed up for this. And uh,
2: you do a better job now of voicing that.
4: Well, we've been to a lot of therapy.
2: <laughs>
3: yeah, that's <was> true. <laughs> so that was true. I'm
4: pretty good at it. But yeah. If I held in the frustration, then we would have those big blow-up fights.
1: What kept that that frustration in?
4: Because it's hard because you feel guilt, right? They're doing something important. Um, So am I like, am I the asshole if I say, don't go arrest this murderer because I just want you to stay home and watch TV with me? Like, that's really hard to say that. You know, to ask for your needs to be met when it's not like he's a salesman or I don't know. It's just it's really hard.
0: Well, I think there's part of that. There's almost that expectation Mm -hmm. or whatever or that mindset of, you know, well, he's sacrificing his time and I have to sacrifice that Mm -hmm. time, too. So he can go, you know, do the job. But there still has to be that time of you guys together. For sure, And I think what happens is, you know, people don't speak up mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, well, you know, I'm in the flow of doing this stuff and it's just stuff gets lost by the wayside.
4: Yeah, we did that for a long time. Like we would have the silent resentment to the slow build up to the big blow up fight and mm-hmm. you yell at each other and you scream at each other. And the next day you're like, I'm sorry for this, that, whatever. You have a great communication day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and then it starts all over exactly, again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you start
3: the cycle again. Yeah, yeah. Because
1: it's
2: it's easy for us when we get in that, like you said, the flow. Like I'm just, just it's that stretch right now. We're just busy. It's one thing after the other, and we're not self aware of what's going on on the other side of the relationship because we're just so focused on man. I got to get home, shower, sleep. So I get up and do it over again. Yeah, and it just continues.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm yeah i'm working this thing or I'm, you know i gotta work this overtime or i gotta do this or do that and mm-hmm. it's like oh well i'll see you when i see you you know that's yep. that's not conducive to uh keeping a long-term relationship going <laughs> no
4: <laughs> no and it's hard like in the beginning i would feel like if i had something important work-wise it was never going to be as important as his work stuff and i'm I don't know if you ever felt like that, like your job is more important than my job, but it felt like that to me.
2: I didn't think about it at the time, no. Yeah. I mean, clearly we know it's more important, but.
4: (laughs) See? See what I deal with? But yeah, that's hard. So The thing
2: you can't understand when you're in that mindset is, well, they can't can't do that if I'm not there. Like you truly get stuck in that. I got to be there. I got to be there. Like, you know, several guys you can think of right now that I worked with all the time that think that. You know them. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I know for me and Jeremy, I mean, I don't know how it is with you and Rachel, but for me, my, I worked a lot at the time too, cause I was like, that was my way to provide was it was financially like, Oh, you enjoy, you know, with my ex-wife and we argued about it a lot. was, I was like, well, you know, you get to do these nice things. You spend this money that I'm earning. I'm, you know, I'm working so you can do that. So you have fun. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, yeah, but I didn't marry your money. I married you. Yeah. I was like, well, shit, I didn't plan for that. (laughs) You know, like...
0: That, though, is an age-old problem that's not just exclusive Mm -hmm. to this. I mean...
1: But it's interesting mm -hmm. how it compounds in these jobs.
0: Oh, absolutely. that
1: on top of, you know, like... And I, I was just as bad at sometimes, too. Like, hey, I've got to do this committee. I've got to work this shift for somebody. I've got to do, 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 do for everybody else. And you... You married me, you're fine, you know, I'll I'll get to you when I get to you. It wasn't, like, intentional. It's not like I set out to be an asshole to her. just, it was easy to take advantage of because I put the ring on it, it's good, let me get back to being busy.
3: Mm
4: -hmm. And then, again, you have the excuse, well, you know what you signed up for, um, and maybe we did, and maybe we didn't really fully know what we (laughs) signed up for.
0: Uh, Yeah, I don't think there's anything that's going to totally prepare you for Mm -hmm. that type of lifestyle. Like, no. may, I mean, maybe if, you know, one of your parents mm-hmm. did that job and then you saw that growing up, yeah, then maybe you would you would know what it's like. But I think coming from the outside in and I mean, even for me, you know, whenever I got on the job, I wasn't prepared for basically the culture and mm-hmm. like how things were because I didn't have any experience with it. I mean, my dad did some volunteer stuff back home but i mean the biggest thing that kind of helped me transition was the fact that he worked offshore so whenever he was at work he was gone for 2 weeks or a month at a time hmm. and then back so i was used to you know working on holidays or you know celebrating them whenever or missing birthdays and all that kind of stuff it never was a big deal for me because that's how i grew up but i'd be you inter- know.
1: i'd be interested to talk to a couple that came on like together like You were on the police department when you guys started dating. Mm -hmm. So there was a little bit of education factor towards her of like, hey, this is what you're kind of getting into. And there was a little bit of selection process of you of like, oh, yeah, she could probably handle this. Mm -hmm. She's not needy. There's not red flags throwing up that says this will be unsuccessful. But, you know, think about if you guys have been married before you got on the job. How would it have happened when you're both learning this lifestyle now together? With no education, no prior knowledge, nothing. Yeah,
2: that'd be a big transition for sure.
4: Yeah, it would be rough. It's hard. I mean, it's hard even thinking. I knew. I mean, I had a friend who obviously his partner is the one who set us up on our first date, so I knew sort of what his schedule was like. But even then, it's like really you work. You really worked five or six hundred <laughs> hours of overtime in a year. Um, it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah,
2: You can tell, even before I took the last job I had on the PD, like like you don't know if you're going home at 5 until 5. Mm-hmm. Our normal hours were 9 to 5. Mm-hmm. And so you can tell yourself that, you can tell other people that, but until you're actually doing it, and it's like the fourth day in a row, I'm, the phone call's coming at 4.15, 4.30, and she answers the phone, you're going to be late. Yep.
4: I know the 4.15 call. <laughs> yeah. If you're calling at 4.15, there's a reason you're calling at 4.15. Yeah, you're not coming home. I think all of the wives know that by now. Mm-hmm. It's not
0: a secret anymore. <laughs> how did you handle, especially since he was on SWAT doing the super cool dude stuff? Uh-huh. Um, still not as cool as fireman, th- but thinks. still still pretty well, cool. Well, I yeah. mean, yeah. They, they have some pretty cool stuff. Yeah. yeah.
1: We got cooler stuff, but yeah, go ahead.
0: <laughs> dude. <laughs> you- I'm
1: not giving him breathing room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is not.
0: <laughs> uh, so anyway, how did you handle or did you even think about it like the dangerous part of his job
4: um i did i think it's kind of like everybody knows that there's a possibility of danger you obviously know that that's possible but you kind of in the back of your mind you're like yeah but that happens to other people Uh, he's not actually ever gonna get shot on duty that's crazy (laughs) um yeah. yeah crazy that
1: that would happen <laughs>
4: <Yeah>. <laughs> and so and he would always tell me you know we've they'd been together these guys for so long they knew each other so well they had practiced it they always know what they're getting into before they go into a situation they have such good planning and i believed all of that which is it was true um but of course you can plan for every you can't plan for everything
0: well, yeah the bad guy gets a vote too yes yeah,
4: yeah. unfortunately um but, and it also helped that, like, Dave, his partner, uh, was one of my best friends, and I really trusted him. So, I that helped me. But really, to be honest, is mostly denial. Just denial uh, all over the place. That's are, how I got there. Are you there. and
0: Dave still friends?
4: Yeah. <laughs> A little bit, no.
2: <laughs> we have both left the police department yeah. since. Uh, and
4: yeah. that's the thing. Like, after his shooting, I didn't have that luxury anymore. So, you know, once I didn't have the denial, I... I didn't sleep nearly as good at night. That was the first time, probably, probably the first time in my life when I didn't ha- sleep well was I just would wake up in the middle of the night and be like, where is he? What time is it? When's well, he coming home?
1: I mean, evil was no longer in his stories or on the news. It was mm-hmm. at your doorstep.
4: Mm-hmm. Exactly.
1: Walk us through your mind that day.
4: Uh, So I was actually babysitting my niece and nephew and... He called me. I feel like you thought it was going to be better that the call came from you. (laughs) But his voice just sounded, he sounded like not even scared or panicked, just like that super amped up, like adrenaline. Um, Like when you almost get into a car accident and then you're just all shaky, you know? That's how his voice sounded. And he said, you got to get somebody to to come watch those kids. I I got shot. And I was like, what? I... (laughs) For a couple seconds, I really thought he was joking, and I then I was like, "But why would that's not funny? Why would he joke about that?" Um, <laughs> so yeah. then I, I it kind of hit me, and um, I just totally freaked out. I, I actually uh, had to apologize to Dave Travelone later because I called him and he lived in the same neighborhood as my sister, where I was babysitting, and I all I said was, "You have to come and get me right now." Michael got shot, and he's like, "On my way." click and then I realized I didn't even tell him that he was okay that he was alive like all I did I mean I wasn't thinking clearly um I think
0: that's that's forgivable yeah
4: (laughs) but Dave gave her a pass sorry, sorry Dave um and I'm sure he got on the radio right away but I feel like I still even then I you know I think I told you I was getting out a can of peaches to give to the kids and um I I sort of panicked and I didn't know what to do and I just like gr- dug the spoon in the peaches and slapped them on the table right on <laughs> the table and I was like here you go and Blake was like where's my like fork or a plate I was like just eat that peaches. <laughs> <laughs> So then I went upstairs and I was like trying to put on makeup. You know, you're not thinking clearly. I was like, all I knew was Dave was going to come get me. I'm going to go to the hospital.
1: (laughs) Got to look good for my shot husband. You
4: know? (laughs) And I'm like trying to put on eyeshadow, my hands shaking. And I looked into the mirror and I said, what are you doing? Um, And so then I, I like calmed down and I had to stop myself. But the worst was the drive there. I think Dave was driving 200 miles per hour. Um,
1: Uh, You mean at the appropriate speed limits per department (laughs) regulation? Of course, of
4: course. Um, Thank you. No, It was probably like 74, you know, miles per hour. Um, But yeah, even though he had called me, I didn't know how bad it was. I didn't know um, maybe he was just lying to me to, to get me there safely. Because he had said several times, do not drive here by yourself. Have Dave take you don't drive, don't drive, don't drive. So I'm like, what am I going to see when I get there? And it was really scary. But I think I just, after I told myself in the mirror, what what the hell are you doing? Um, I just kind of went into crisis mode. Like, I pushed all of those feelings down. And we probably, we both did that for... A long time. I don't think I really processed any of it. There's a picture of me in the hospital, like eating a cheeseburger over his mangled foot while the lady used tweezers to pull pieces of your boot (laughs) out of the tissue. Um, Varsity
0: move, by the way. (laughs) I was so (laughs) hungry.
4: But I think, yeah, we we just pushed it all down. That's where the problem started. Because it was like, go into crisis mode. What do we need to do? How do we fix this situation? Um, And then when I got there, you were already making jokes. Like, already, you know.
0: Well, that's the number one defense mechanism.
4: You all and your gallows humor. Yeah. And so he was doing that, too. So I don't know that I ever really thought about the implications of it all over long term. I was just like, I got to get to the hospital. And then once I was at the hospital, I have to make you happy, make sure you feel okay. I remember I was actually more mad. He asked me to get his phone out of his jeans, and I picked up his jeans, and I thought he had quit chewing, but oh. I picked up his jeans, and I opened the pocket, and I pulled out a big old can of skull, and we just looked at each other, and I go, we'll talk about this later. <laughs> and I just put it back in his jeans. Don't yell at me, I've been shot. Yeah. <laughs> Even though you're probably going to shoot me again. <laughs> so,
2: and no, she didn't give me the skull.
4: No, I didn't. I put it back in his jeans pocket. And then he was really angry for a couple of days cuz he was <laughs> he was withdrawing again. I don't know what was your I mean, from your perspective, it was a little different.
1: I okay. know I know why he called. I mean, that's I think Jeremy and I get that.
4: Like would yeah. you do that? 100%. Call your wife yourself? If I can. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah if I'm able to. Yeah. I, because you want them like, I would want my wife to know that I'm alive, I'm talking,
4: mm-hmm.
0: I'm... I mean, in
1: hindsight, you know. who would you rather have the call from, looking uh, back on it?
4: Yeah, no, I think it was good. I think I just panicked more at this, the way he sounded. He just sounded yeah. so, like, I don't know, freaked out. Not shot? But then, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I'll always be grateful for that firefighter because he took the phone from... Michael and he got on the phone and he was like hey uh just so calm I mean his voice was like
1: yeah we usually are
4: Valium he was like hey I know he sounds a little amped but I promise you he's okay he is gonna be fine we are driving him to the hospital just meet us there it's no big deal it's fine um and he really did calm me down because I was like at level 10 freak out and then he got on I forgot his name I don't
2: know. I just got put on the spot.
4: Sorry. <laughs> but Wow.
0: We'll a dude saved – a fireman saved your
4: he life. Did. He did. No big deal. We've literally just,
0: like, no big we've deal. We've been
1: talking about you, and all of a sudden you're put on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah.
4: <laughs> but he saved me from a mental breakdown, uh, so I, I am grateful for him. And we saw him afterwards, which mm. was nice, but – um, so you see you guys don't have to always hate each other sometimes. Oh yes
1: we do. <laughs> no hate here. We don't hate people that are below us.
4: <laughs> oh okay.
2: Wow. There's no envy here. Good time. I'm just jealous I can't save basements for a living. That's all there is to it.
0: Foundations, get it right. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: my bad,
1: my bad. I don't know the lingo. Yeah. <laughs>
0: it's all right. You hang out hang around us long enough. Yeah. You, mm-hmm. You'll
1: pick it up. Go looking back on all this now. Like, you guys are in a completely different and probably better space mm-hmm. than you were. But something you brought up and you talked about how it, it, it can lead to problems, which nobody asked for him to get shot. He didn't go to work to get shot. You didn't, you know, nobody asked for the situation you were put yourselves in, that you were put in. But at the end of the day, like, you were there against your own will. Mm-hmm. I I don't want to say it's... And it's kind of unfair because, you know, at what point in our academies do they say, all right, now when all goes to shit, here's how you save your marriage. Yeah. So, I mean, where did you, like, what was that realization that you guys did have control again and you could improve this if you wanted?
4: Man, I, it took us a really long time to get back there. We went, we went downhill for a long time and it was baby steps of things getting worse and worse. Um, people ask you a how are you doing? They call you? What can I do for you? Everyone stopped by to see us. I've never felt so much love and support. It was amazing, but we just we were on autopilot. I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. Everything's good. No complaints. I made it through um and so you just keep repeating those. i'm fine i'm good i'm i'm we're happy. life's good and but it's not true. You think can't it be. till you make it. right? Yeah. well, yeah. that's what you think, but yeah, it turns out.
0: That's not how trauma works. No.
4: You just you keep pushing it down. And eventually, um, it's going to come out. And then, so almost a year to the week after his shooting, our daughter was born, and um, she had to go on life support. Um, we didn't think she was going to make it. It was a rough. Well, she was 11 days on at 12. 12 days. Oh. Um, I tend to block out things like, no, just kidding. <laughs> um, and so that really made things worse for us because we were almost starting to get back to a So well, you guys
1: can just revert back into everything's fine mode like
4: well we pretended <laughs> yeah, yeah
1: sure
3: it did. didn't work did it We pretended. Yeah.
4: and then again the same thing we felt so much love and support we had everybody there asking us what do you need how can i help you how are you doing and again we were we're doing good we're out keeping positive outlook thanks for stopping by so happy to see you everything's good life is good um but it wasn't So I really just wish I could, if I could give advice to everyone, just stop saying you're fine. You're not fine. You're not. Go to get therapy and don't tell them you're fine either because that's bullshit.
2: It's okay to be not fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's normal.
0: Yeah. And therapy only works if you're honest. Yeah. If you're bullshitting and trying to, again, push stuff down and not really deal with stuff, then Mm -hmm. you're going to get out of it what you put in
4: it but we were we weren't lying to other people we were lying to ourselves
0: yeah well that's that's what we do
4: yeah
2: <laughs> and we're good at it yeah
0: we are really really good at
1: it
4: we were really fine
0: well and I can see too like
1: almost the frustration with both those situations kind of what I said earlier you guys didn't ask for that mm-hmm like, you were just like, hey, I'm trying to do my job. I'm trying to birth a child. Like, we yeah. are doing our parts as constructive people in society. We didn't ask for this. Right. Why should we have to deal with this? hmm And I could just, once you get past that, then you got to, you know, then there's so many other mountains to climb. It's just. And in
2: both scenarios, too. Like, at the end of the day, I got, I got winged and I healed up, went back to work. Our daughter made a miraculous recovery. The doctors couldn't explain it, and she—you would never know she started life like that. Mm -hmm. So you tell yourself too, like, well, we should be happy. Everything should be fine, right? Because everything turned out the way the best it could. Mm -hmm. I think that kind of adds to it almost in some ways. Um, Because then you're like, well, yeah, we have no reason not to be happy and just push through.
4: Mm -hmm. Like at Children's Mercy, we would see these other kids with like lifelong cognitive and physical delays, and we would think. We're so lucky. We don't have a right to complain or to be sad um, because she's fine. She's a perfect little angel now. Uh, Well, angel is debatable. Terrorist angel. but From a certain point of view.
3: A healthy terrorist. She is healthy. Healthy healthy terrorist.
4: But I think that's something that people do a lot too is, well, other people have it worse off than me. So where do I get off complaining or being sad or – needing all this therapy, there's lots of people worse off than me, but um, I don't think anybody's trauma is, it's not a competition. Nope. It shouldn't be, right? Nope. Why do we do that to ourselves?
0: Well, it's, I mean, I know why we do it is because of our personalities. Mm-hmm. We're the helpers. Yeah. You know, we're, we, we're not the ones that need help. We're the people that go out and help people. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's, it's basic triage mode.
1: You're the worst. You're not as bad. You're fine. We'll get to y'all when we fix this one. Mm-hmm. And it's sometimes y'all is us. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
4: it's a good point.
0: Well, all the time, y'all is us. Yeah. And we never get to that part.
1: We're, we're the greens. Yeah. We got to fix the reds. <laughs> <laughs> Not realizing that we just became the red.
4: Well, yeah, that's the thing. It's like the frog in the boiling water analogy so that's what happened with us we we were fine um and then very slowly little bits and pieces we got worse and worse and worse until you know somebody looks at us and is like what is going on with you guys you do you're not happy michael did not look healthy um we were just miserable we were in the red and we didn't realize it because it happened so slowly
0: so what was the point the the realization point Whenever you decided, hey, we got to fix this shit.
4: Yeah, so I guess for us, it will eat that day that we went on a walk.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: So I had mentioned to Michael a couple of times about his drinking. I was really worried right after the shooting because, you know, you guys, how, how do you guys... Um, jameson yeah right (laughs) what what did everybody do they came by our house and they brought him a bottle of whiskey Mm -hmm. hey how you doing i brought you a bottle um so out of
1: the kindness of your heart you were just trying to sow appreciation i get it
2: and i had to drink them all as fast as possible so say knew how much i appreciate it. (laughs) exactly yeah
4: and see it makes sense he was bored he wasn't he couldn't work and he hated that he couldn't work y'all don't know how to be idle it's like impossible for you right I, i
1: I got nothing. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Yeah. It the, w- it's true. I'm the worst. You work nonstop. <laughs> <laughs> and he didn't feel useful. Um, I don't know, I shouldn't speak for you. You started no. drinking a lot. Um, and that escalated. And then I kinda called him out and I think he just I thought he stopped drinking, but I think he just got better at hiding it, right?
0: Yep. Bravo, sir. Did you find a bottle of whiskey
1: in his (laughs) jeans pocket? Not yet. Not yet. (laughs) Don't tell her to look there.
4: (laughs) (laughs) So then um, it's nice we can joke about it now. (laughs) um, And then obviously when Maggie was in the hospital, we stayed in the hospital with her every night. We were there um, for A month Um, and she was so critical at least especially that first couple weeks we didn't leave the hospital so where is he going to go to hide his drinking from me so I would be I was pumping every hour and a half I was waking up to pump for 30 minutes and and we were in the Ronald McDonald room and he was drinking in his truck and so I'd said to him like listen I know usually when I'm upset I just kind of shut down and withdraw and I don't want to be around anybody but I really need you right now to be here for me but he couldn't be because he was dealing with his own trauma. So he couldn't be there for me. Um, and so that was like, that was really
2: hurtful. That's when things got really bad.
4: Yeah. Um, and then again, he kind of reined it in for a little bit and then not so much. So uh, it took me a long time. I'm a, I prepare, I prepare. So I had to prepare for all outcomes and I finally one day we went on a walk and I just had enough. I realized we went on a uh, we took Maggie in her stroller. It was a beautiful day. We went on a family walk. Um, it was like during COVID, right? Yeah, yeah. So everybody was going on walks, hanging out mm-hmm. outside. There's yeah. nothing else to do. Anyway, um, I realized we just got up the street that he was drunk. Like he wasn't even making sense when he was talking. And I said, finally, I just said, "This is enough. I'm not going to raise Maggie with a drunk." And you're not helpful to me. Um, If anything, you're more work. And you're basically, I think I said, what did I say exactly? You
2: said, if you're not going to get help with your drinking, then maybe we're better off without you.
4: Yeah. And
2: not that I remember it vividly.
4: (laughs) So. Seems like word for word. I just threw it together. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Not bad for being drunk. Uh, Yeah.
4: (laughs) That part I remember exactly. So. So yeah I said either get help today or I'm gone tomorrow and I actually did tell him too I said I will fight the judge for custody I will tell them you're drunk and you don't deserve to be a dad I was so mad it was like like I said he just slowly pushed me to that point I just couldn't take it one more second and um Michael has never been one to I think that you were you were so disappointed in yourself because family has always been the most important thing to you right mm-hmm. So he just – he didn't say anything to me. just turned around and walked away, and I was just like, well, fuck him then, you know. Sorry for (laughs) – we can do that here. Sure. I don't care. I can go on this walk without him. And I just enjoyed my beautiful day. And then when I got back home, he was on the phone with um, a couple of, like, inpatient rehab facilities. So I think it took me saying, like, I am prepared to leave you and take your daughter from you before anything really changed for us. I did not, like – doing that
2: but well that's what makes it work for her too like i know her saying that she's not just threatening and then i'll get her i'll talk her into staying like Mm -hmm. now when she says something like that i knew it meant business Mm -hmm. so
0: so he goes into treatment Mm
4: -hmm.
0: comes out how's that
4: it was good but so i don't know what It didn't seem to like really stick when you went there. Maybe because you went because you felt like you were forced.
2: Both. And the biggest piece, I only did the substance track and then got out and started, was going to start intensive trauma therapy with my therapist. So none of the trauma was gone yet. Just the drinking had been put on pause. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: So uh, like a week after, two weeks after, um, I I was like, "Oh, I I'm good. I can do this, right?" Yeah. Ugh. So um I started drinking a little bit again. Mm-hmm. Um and she called me out on it and wasn't having it. And I met with my doctor and she was like, "Well, what do you think about an abuse?" And I was like, "Well, actually, they may prescribe me that." I just didn't tell anybody. I was in treatment.
0: Ah.
2: Um so then I just I that's I started taking that so I could not have to worry about a thought of drinking and mm-hmm. digging into trauma therapy. Um, but even then, it was still... Yeah. Like, I wasn't myself yet. And she was still putting up with a lot. I wasn't drinking anymore, but I wasn't motivated. I wasn't confident. I wasn't doing anything around the house. I wasn't actually present. Like, she was still doing everything. Mm-hmm. I would do some dishes and some laundry every now and then. And that was about it.
4: So it really took not just... The drinking wasn't our problem like of course it is a problem but not the problem it was always the trauma for both of us um I had hadn't dealt with the trauma of either the shooting or Maggie's birth neither had you and so really until we started pretty aggressively going into therapy both of us went to WCPR um the week-long um it's it's very intense it's Full therapy from the minute you wake up in the morning until you go to bed at night for seven days. It's in California. The one we went to was in California. Mm-hmm. Um, that helped a lot. And then we started seeing, you know, our own therapist too, and working through things. But also not just working through our own things, but um, improving our communication. So we went together to see. Jenny Dr. Dr. Prochowska. and she literally said to us she was like listen I gotta tell you guys your communication is garbage you are terrible (laughs) communicators just really 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 bad (laughs) and I and I laughed but we were actually really needed to hear that because we were both holding things in trying to protect each other Mm -hmm. and it was just not working
0: yeah usually by trying to hold everything in and not yeah. say what needs to be said. It just ends up being a bigger problem later yeah. on than, you know, this little molehill that you could kind of just tamp down yep. now becomes a giant mountain that you may not be able to climb. Yeah.
4: Yeah. So get so. you a good therapist that'll call you on your bullshit and then life will be good. You know any
1: of those? Or <laughs> or, or a good wife that'll call
3: you on <laughs> yeah. your yeah. bullshit. Yeah. Both. Yes.
2: <laughs> if only we would listen more. Nope. I didn't say that.
0: Yeah. And, it's and recorded. Mike, come on, dude! You're cr- now. I gotta edit that shit
1: out.
4: <laughs>
2: Maybe I was drinking before we came. Uh,
4: not funny. No. no, you shouldn't joke,
2: joke about the alcohol. But
1: in in all fairness, we've we've talked about some of Mike's faults through this. Mm-hmm. What were some of yours that you realized you could have done differently?
4: Yeah, so much. But mainly, my biggest fault, um, and it, it's something I've really had to work on. But I tend to hold things in and not ask for what I need and what happens when you do that is you start to resent the other person but it's not really their fault they're not psychic um so
0: if you don't know why I'm mad I'm not gonna tell you yes
4: you should just know I shouldn't even have to ask you exactly um that is the worst thing that is the most destructive thing that you can think in a relationship because they don't know they can't mind read um I try it all the time I'm really bad at it but
1: (laughs) Jeremy and I make it work yeah, I mean, so you showed key, us earlier. Key to our yeah. marriage. I'm impressed. Yeah. I'm impressed.
4: Um, but yeah, that is one of my, um, well, we talked about with therapy. I'm, that's one of my schemas is that I tend to put everyone else's needs before my own and try to make everyone happy. So I my happiness depends on their happiness, but you can't control other people's happiness. You can only what? control your own. So, um, I would get just like with him working all the time. And I said I I knew what I was getting into, but I would start to resent like I'm doing two loads of laundry a day because you wear four outfits a day because you work out and then you go to work. and You get into comfy clothes and then you wear shorts. And then um, then we'd get in this huge fight because really all I had to do was ask him to do a load of laundry now and then. But I wasn't doing that. So that's one thing. I definitely have had to work on. I don't know. There's a lot of other things. I'm sure you could come up with some.
2: Well, I mean, some of them, like, you thought you were doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, people on the outside that knew us would ask her, hey, is everything okay? And and she would just try to cover for me because she's like, you know, in her mind, you remember you telling me, well, I thought you'd work through it. I thought you'd get there. Mm-hmm. Um, you're thinking you're doing the right thing. Just keep everything copacetic and let's, we'll, we'll move mm-hmm. through it. Um so a fault, but she was like everybody, a lot of, so many of us do that. Yeah. We cover for the other one.
4: We're like, it's private family matter. Yeah.
2: It's nobody else's
0: business.
4: Right. Um, but it yeah. shouldn't be. No.
0: Well, I can see both sides of that. Yeah.
4: You well, know. not like you're just to tell everyone, but yeah. tell somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, because it is one of those things where you don't want to, you know, broadcast everything. But at the same time, how far do you let it go? You know, of him trying to work through it.
3: Yeah.
0: Or, you know, her trying to work through it or whatever the case may be without going, okay, enough's enough. And Mm -hmm. let's, this is too long. It's gone on too long before it gets to the point where if you don't stop drinking, I'm taking the kids and leaving.
3: Yeah.
4: yeah. And the other thing is because I'd been a single mom before, it was very easy for me to fall back into that default mode, single mom mode. I've got everything. And so because I did that, it made it easier for him to not take care of his responsibilities. And he would get frustrated with me because Maggie would say, Mom, I want milk or whatever. And I'm doing 18 other things. And I'd be like, OK, I'll get you your milk. And he'd say, I'm right here. I can do it, too. (laughs) Um, And he would get so mad at me. But I was just fully in that single mom mode because I didn't feel like I could count on him. But again... I wasn't giving him those opportunities. Like I was taking that away from him. Right. Yeah.
2: Like even once I was actually improving quite a bit, um, I had, I'd have to remind her, Hey, you know, I'm here. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was, cause she was still in that mode. So at, at least at that yeah. point we could actually have a conversation about it mm-hmm. instead of just me walking yeah. off in resentment. Cause she's not going to ask me anything. Fuck her. She can do it herself then, yeah. Yeah. you know? Um, so
0: that's one of the things that I have, I've had conversations with people who have, been through treatment and stuff and they whenever they go home you know sometimes they expect oh everything's going to be fine I went and got fixed well guess what all the shit that you caused before you went and got fixed Mm -hmm. it's still sitting there because you haven't dealt with it exactly you know your spouse they haven't dealt with all that stuff Mm -hmm. and what you did caused trauma Mm -hmm. it's all got to be dealt with still so pull on your big boy pants and get shit done
4: yeah yep and that was one thing you asked me a lot, like, when are you going to forgive me? Because if you're never going to forgive me, we can't keep doing this. And I honestly would think, I don't know. I don't know if I can ever forgive you. I don't know if I will. I can't make that promise to you. I know that was really hard for him to hear, but...
2: It was fair the same, as much as it sucked hearing. Mm-hmm. How do you argue that?
4: Mm-hmm. And, you know, I said we went to the uh, WCPR in California. That really helped with that. They have a whole forgiveness exercise but even they gave me the forgiveness exercise and they told me about it but i still i was like i'm not ready no i'm still very angry i'm still really hurt i'm not ready to forgive him yet um so i think it just takes time and we still have our moments oh yeah for sure
2: everybody does though i mean yeah. that's
0: yeah that's if weird. you're in a
2: relationship that's perfect you're nothing but a liar yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna have just, a good relationship but it's not 100 percent perfect yeah. all the time.
0: Yeah no i mean it's got two flawed human beings yeah, in exactly it, mm-hmm. and you're not gonna agree on everything all the time it's yeah. just it's not possible when it and, came when
1: it came time for him to leave the job how did you feel i was that, that's all you knew you knew Mike, the cop
4: yeah it's interesting because people would say aren't you so relieved and i i would be like yeah totally i'm so relieved but Really, I was so scared because that was such a huge part of his whole identity. And I thought, what is he going to do now? He is not this person anymore. Is he going to go back to like, you know, when after the shooting, you were only off for 10 weeks, 10 weeks off work. And he went so far downhill in that 10 weeks because he had no purpose. You guys, again, (laughs) you can't be idle. So I was really, really scared. I think we went and saw Doctor Prochaska together, and that was one thing that I said to her. I was like, "Do you have anything else he can do? Because if he's sitting at home all the time, I don't." I was so afraid that you were going to decline and start drinking again. Um,
1: you didn't make like a. You didn't start a chore list.
4: <laughs> I <laughs> should like, have. I Dang get it. this son of a bitch for how many days? I, was <laughs> I actually did. We I did add a to do list to our cozy. You did. You yeah. did not like that. No. <laughs> You did not (laughs) Yeah but it was scary It was such a big transition Because it is like I said it's a lifestyle It's not a job Um, I think all of you guys would feel that way If you had to quit
3: Yeah
0: well that's why retirement is so scary For a Mm -hmm. lot of people Is because Mm -hmm. they don't have anything else Or they don't know anything else Mm -hmm. They've done this for 25 or 30 years And you know They work side jobs or off duty or whatever But that was that this was their identity.
3: Yeah.
0: And whenever you don't have to get up that every third day and go into the station or mm-hmm. on your five day or whatever it is, I don't know. <laughs> you know, yeah, you're not putting on that uniform anymore. Mm-hmm.
1: And you mm-hmm. realize that the city keeps turning right along with that. Yeah. City.
2: Your unit yeah. keeps doing work and putting bad guys in jail mm-hmm. and yeah. you're not there.
4: That's a real punch to the ego, huh? hmm. Yep. Yeah. Luckily, um, you got something that you enjoy doing um, and have a new purpose now. Yeah. Which is good.
1: Something I wanted to ask you last time we had you on. How have you, what has your thought process been like to not turn? So, for example, do you see your people that they stopped drinking? Yay, they stopped drinking. But now they're working out all the time. They swapped addiction for addiction. Mm-hmm. How have you been cautious bet- between both of you to not turn still your passion into your lifestyle again in a position that could get in the way of a relationship again?
2: I think I tried to find different ways to split it because I knew the energy had to go somewhere or because you know, a lot of times when I would drink is when I was in my head dealing, thinking about my trauma and not wanting to tell anybody about it. So anytime there was downtime, um, that's when it would be an issue. So you could, I had to split it between focusing on family, uh, school, work, uh, and then just time with her. And I think it doesn't work for a lot of people. And I think um, War Horses is a big part of that because uh, that gave me a new goal, a new mission. And I can go to work and actually have an impact with people again, which I think was a big substitute for losing life as a cop. I still feel like – and I'm connected to the community uh, and with firefighters too, unfortunately, now. Um,
3: but. Wow. <laughs>
1: Come on, man. <laughs> no. um, I knew he should have just had his wife on. <laughs> I told you, and you said, no, he's cool. And I said, no, he's not. Just bring his wife. I think you
2: started it, though. No. Nah. Nah. No. Ta- I'm not taking responsibility nah. for shit. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. I'm Switzerland. <laughs> I'm staying out of this. Yeah.
4: <laughs> and. You had to be really self-aware, too, because he did go through a little period where he was sort of, like, obsessively hanging out at War Horses. Something had come up, I don't remember what it was, and you were avoiding, and you finally admitted it, right? But he, but I think you had talked to Jenny about it, Dr. Prochaska, and said, like, Ashley's mad at me. I'm spending all my time at War Horses again. I'm working all the time, and... um you did finally admit that you were, eh, maybe I was in a bad place and I was, so yeah, replacing the addiction there. So you have to be really self-aware.
2: Well, yeah, and we hadn't quite figured out all of our communication yet. That's True. what it was. When mm-hmm. we were home a lot, we were in that point where we knew we had to figure stuff out. It just wasn't always going well. <laughs> mm-hmm. and so if I just <laughs> stayed at War Horse's longer, that was that much less time I was at home. Uh, yep. So luckily, Dr. Prohaska was like, yeah, she's right, and called me out on that. And then that's, I think, when she had us in it. I was what? Dr. Brasca was right. We
1: can edit that.
3: We can edit that part out for you. <laughs> <Okay>. Thanks. <laughs> Sorry. Dr.
2: Brasca right. says you were right. Uh-huh. I didn't say it.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs>
0: yeah. I might have to bump the volume up on that. Oh, darn The that.
1: sound cut out. I don't know what happened back here, Jeremy. It was yeah. weird. Uh-huh.
0: <laughs>
4: I'm going to get the raw footage and then I'm going to add captions and exclamations.
0: <laughs> there is closed captions, by Oh, the way. I
4: love it. <laughs> so
1: something, I'm curious with you, like, what is your relationship now with, like, other police wives or other mothers that have had children in the NICU? How do you kind of advocate? How do you share your story? How do you walk them through this? Um, and the opportunities that you have had to.
4: yeah. I, I mean, I think it's just kind of like we said, just stop saying you're fine, you're not fine. That's the biggest thing. And I really, I'm telling everyone, like, go to therapy, 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 therapy. I think people are probably tired of me here uh, saying it. But, um, and then just admitting that it's really, really hard. It is really hard, but you're going to get through it. I don't know. All of it's hard. Life is hard for everybody for various different reasons. We're really lucky in a lot of ways.
1: Well, and i i've I've kind of been that black sheep before because, like you said, everybody comes over and they're like, "How are you doing? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so great. You're healing." Mm-hmm. Blah blah blah. Because they, sadly, they're just ignorant to it. They haven't had to. And then here you come. You're like, "Hey, asshole! You're not good. We know. We see through your shit." Like yeah. that's kind of hard to be that guy, but at the same time, somebody has to. Mm-hmm.
2: That's the thing. We're so good at helping other people and putting other people first. We even neglect our own. Like, we'll know somebody's not. Our gut will tell us it ain't right, even if we have no solid proof. We're probably right. They're not good. And we just kind of, most of the times, it's good that you're that guy that'll call them on it. Because we need more of that. Mm -hmm. Truly do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, because the typical culture for forever has been, we don't call them on that. Mm -hmm. It's like, all right, cool. You're good. Great. Yeah. And then walk away and then.
2: And then when other people ask, "Hey, how's he doing?" Oh, he's fine. You know, other people are seeing it and ask the group that should know, and they're like, they cover for him too because they think they're doing the right thing again. Yeah.
0: Oh, he'll work through it. It's just a thing.
4: Uh huh. Yeah. Thankfully, there is. It seems like a culture shift with mental health. It does always blow my mind when people act like you should be ashamed for taking care of your mental health. Like, if I had cancer and I could really easily get that tumor removed. Or radiation was gonna cure me a hundred percent. And I was just like, nah, it cancer's kind of embarrassing.
1: It'll stop growing. Uh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm
4: not gonna do that. Mm. And I'm definitely not gonna tell people about it. You would think I was crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, so why do we do that with mental health? Uh
0: that's a good question. Yeah. You
1: just earned a spot on the podcast. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, so- it's uh and I'll tell you why, from from perspective. I'm going to kick crap off the table. Jesus, Gemma. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) That's why the dogs aren't allowed in here, (laughs) because she just gets all tangled up in cords. No. So, at least the perspective that I kind of came into it with, and what was reinforced by other people, was if somebody's having a mental problem or whatever, you have to be able to rely on each other in life and death situations. Mm -hmm. So... If we're going to go into a fire and the building's burning all all around us and James over there is having some feelings, can I count on him to pull me out?
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Or am I going to have to constantly worry about him all the time?
4: Yeah. You struggled with that a lot after the shooting.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So it, that's where that, I think that's where that whole stigma comes in, mm-hmm. in our career fields.
1: Have you ever talked to your crew, your, your old guys about that like truthfully and got their honest opinion
2: about their side of it
1: well about like what he just said like was there ever any concern you may be i guess head shy going into another
2: everybody still claims no Uh, because i came back to work as soon as possible and i was still i was good then and that's the weird thing especially in the beginning that was the place i was at my best right because i was distracted and i wanted every chance i could get to prove to everybody I could still do the job. Um, as Unfortunately, the only person I couldn't prove to is myself. Uh, you know, Guys had no idea I was doubting myself that much because uh, all I did was want to work, work, work. Um, I think obviously there were some concerns later on probably, and we haven't necessarily talked about concerns with my health was bad because I was drinking all the time, so I'd lost weight and I wasn't in shape like I was. Um, they were probably worried about that. Um what we have talked about is some conversations of, hey man, I'm really sorry. I we knew something was wrong. We knew you had an issue. Uh we knew you weren't right and but we didn't say anything. I'm really sorry for that. We've had those conversations. Um and I'm like, don't be sorry for it. Just you know, don't ever do it again. Uh if you think something's not right, you're you're right. You know, you gotta have that tough buddy check conversation. So yeah. uh, I don't think the hedgehog, I don't, I don't, that that's never come up, not yet anyway.
1: Because, I mean, we we are all judgmental assholes, especially in this line of work, and we've all had our doubts that we'll say at a kitchen table. You know, Jeremy and I could be like, I don't know about Chrissy's, we gotta watch him if we get this call or that call. Oh, hey Chris, what's up, man? Oh, you good to go? All right. Oh, hey, yeah, good to see you today, brother. Good job. I'm glad you're doing good. And it's like <laughs> we do it because we don't want to. We we hope Chris is good. We, th- we you know we want Chris to be good. But in the back of our mind, our analytical, judgmental brains are like, nah, I don't know.
2: And also, you know that you could be that guy someday too. Yeah. So you're like, well, fuck. I don't. I don't want to do that to him. That then they might do it to me.
1: Yeah. Or if you see one of your traits that you're questioning in somebody else, you're like, oh, fuck. Yeah, <laughs> it's a little meme yeah. of the puppet that like looks like this and then looks back forth. Mm-hmm. It's like, mm.
0: yeah, but that would require us to be self aware to recognize the trait that we hate, and that person is actually our trait. You know, that's usually not the case. You it's, know, usually- it's,
1: it's a. I do wonder. We we say that like it requires us to be self aware. I think we are always pretty damn self aware. We just don't like to admit it. We're I we one hundred percent of the time know what's exactly what's going on with us. We're just smart enough to know how to hide it to everybody and even attempt to hide it to ourselves mm-hmm. but we know we're not stupid nobody nobody in this room is stupid we all knew what was going on we just thought it would either resolve or something would happen or where we didn't have to put in the effort it would take to fix whatever it was you knew it with your drinking you knew it with your drinking you knew it with your communication i know it with my um like with my working and it's too damn much we all know we're not stupid mm-hmm yeah, yeah. For as many times as you've called me out on this, I'm getting to everybody.
4: <laughs> so at the end of the day, you shouldn't be worried about the guy who admits that there's something wrong and who's seeking help. What you should be worried about is the person who says, I'm fine, I'm good, I'm fine, but you can tell that they're not. Like,
0: that's 100% accurate. You know,
4: because that's what happened to you at first. If you would have got help right away, I think you would have been just, fi- well, different kind of help yeah. or more intensive, more honest.
2: And that's the. Biggest piece I was missing. Mm-hmm. I felt like such a failure after that day. But I, I would not tell anybody that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, shit, even after I started seeing Dr. Prohaska and she was pushing me, it was four or five months. Yeah. Um, and
0: and I, that's
4: a year and a half before you said that to me.
0: Yeah. Well, see, and that's that's the problem is because you, all of those, that trauma was able to set in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's really the key. The key point is whenever you have situations and issues like that, the sooner that you can do whatever type of therapy it's going to take for you, whether that's talk therapy, EMDR, horse therapy, music therapy, I don't care. Yeah. Whatever it is, get it out as soon as possible.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So, I mean, the study show, you know, PTS, that's 100% normal. Mm-hmm. Post traumatic stress, it happens to everybody, whether we all want to admit it or not, it happens. Mm-hmm whenever it becomes a problem is when it's long term and set in Mm -hmm. and that can happen in as short as seven days yeah so yeah i mean now there is that thing of you know sometimes you're just not ready to talk about it but how long do you let that go you know yeah Yeah. and especially with you two like
1: (laughs) it's it's a dangerous dynamic because you could be ready to talk about it and he may not And you're like we need to talk about this i'm not ready like Who are you to tell him when he's ready? Who are you to tell her when she's ready? And who are you to tell her that it's too soon or vice versa? And that's a... It's a slippery slope. And Mm -hmm. when you look back, you're like, I'm not... And this will sound shitty, but hear me out. I'm not surprised (laughs) you guys went down the road you did. Yeah. Because we... What did you know ahead of time that could have prevented it? Kind of really nothing.
4: And we didn't have the tools to help ourselves, you know. And... So now we do the – you're right about the communication times, especially me. Actually, he's a lot better communicator than I am. I can't believe I just said that on record. Um, but <laughs> We'll I let, let that me. out. Yeah. No, don't let, no, that stays. <laughs> no, that goes. We highlight that. that. Um, but he'll say, hey, I can see some things bother you. We need to talk about this. And I'll be like, I'm not ready. And I'll just go uh, – to a movie by myself or go do whatever go hang out with my girlfriends. I'll avoid. That's my go-to, avoid. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he'll, but he'll keep saying, oh, okay, we, but when can we talk about this? So eventually, we do need to talk about this. So we do try to, Give each other a little bit of a time frame, like, "Hey, within the next day or two, we need to talk about this." So we have to stay on each other. We started to do after WCPR. Um, my, it's called my STDs. That's how we, just how I remember it. But they <laughs> what, have, what happens
2: at WCPR stays at WCPR. <laughs> yeah.
4: But um, they have this worksheet every morning, and each person would go through their various stages so m is for memories memories. so you talk about any memories that have come up good or bad or anything that you're just thinking of um i for insights um s for symptoms so like you can say i'm feeling anxious or i'm feeling i don't know sleepy whatever um t is for triggers and then d is for dreams and so if now if one of us feels like the other one's kind of irritated or angry or sad or whatever we'll say hey do we need to do a check-in and we'll do go through my STDs and then that really facilitates a really good conversation because maybe we weren't really ready to talk about something but because you asked okay I did have a trigger the other day um, I saw this little baby that was on life support and it just really brought me back to that time with Maggie and so then we talk about our feelings with that and that is the best That has been one of my favorite things we've done lately for communication. It has helped so much.
2: Yeah. I think all first responder couples should implement that. Check-ins. Because like she said, I was amazed where the conversation went the first time. Mm -hmm. Um, Stuff we would never have talked about. And it wasn't necessarily a problem yet, but it may have been Mm -hmm. down the road. But we got there something as innocent as that. Because once you start, you're like, okay, we're going to talk. Fine. And then once you get going, you're just having a conversation. Yeah. Um, And it works. I got to give her the credit for that. Because when we did that, when I went to WCPR, I thought she'll never go for that. And then she comes home and she's like, hey, I think we should start doing this. I was like, oh, man. (laughs) I missed it on that one.
4: And then sometimes, you know, one person wants to do it and the other one's like, fine. And then um, you really bring things out. You know, you learn a lot about yourself and the other person. It's just just starting a conversation. So however you want to do it, um, that one has been really helpful for us.
0: Well, and that can be the hard part too—is having those type of conversations. How do you start them? Yeah, exactly. And that's
2: well, having the my STDs like okay, this is what we're going to do. It starts it for you. Mm -hmm. That's the great
0: thing about it. Mm -hmm. Good little icebreaker. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do it at dinner parties. That's fun. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Tell me about your STDs. Yeah. (laughs) What?
4: That's why we say, should we do a check in? Yeah. (laughs) I think but, that's
0: probably a better term. Yeah, mm-hmm. but, Yep. I, <laughs> this, this is funny. This,
1: sorry. I'm still chuckling <laughs> over it.
0: Can you take him with you when you go?
4: We'll drop him off somewhere fine. Okay. Yeah. Just kidding. Oh. Can
2: I drive his Jeep?
0: Uh, I wouldn't suggest it, but sure, go ahead.
2: It's got <laughs> a lot of old damage on it. I can't hurt it. <laughs>
3: Okay. <laughs> Ooh. Okay.
4: Okay. okay. Man, that's cool. That's dangerous.
3: <laughs> oh.
0: Well, the guys, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah. I appreciate it. Um, Mike, we'll start with you. Final thoughts?
1: Uh, don't look at me. Don't look at me. Don't talk all that shit and then look to me for help.
2: <laughs> I think James has something he needs to talk about.
0: So. Okay. Anyway. Did I did I preempt? No. Did you have a point? No, I did not. Did you have a thought? Nope. I feel like you had a thought.
1: Not a PG-13 one. <laughs> That's
0: fair. Okay. <laughs> Keep it to yourself then. <laughs> Mike,
2: continue. No, if there's anything uh anybody takes away from uh what we've been through and what we've um how we're how we are now, um like she said earlier, communication is the key. Um I Still every once in a while, I'm like, fuck, it was that easy? I just had to tell her what I was thinking.
3: Um, Who knew?
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's the simplest things, I guess.
2: And it's a constant work. I mean, just because you become good communicators, that doesn't mean it just stays that way, magically. You mm-hmm. still work on it. Um, a good relationship is always work.
4: Yep. Oh, um, yeah, I 100% communication. Even if that communication is man, I do not like you this week, you know?
1: I love you, but I don't like you.
4: And here's why. Or like, hey, I'm feeling really neglected or whatever the case may be, the good and the bad and the ugly, you have to say it out loud Um, if you hold it in. What did we say earlier? Emotions are like kids, you can't let them drive the car, but you can't put them in the trunk either. Um, I say
2: emotions are like farts. Nobody wants to smell them or hear them.
4: No, that's that. <laughs>
2: Jokingly, I say that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Yeah,
4: um, but, but I really... <sighs> Life is hard for everybody. Life is hard. You're going to go through ups and downs. Right now, we're in a really good place. We can joke about all of this stuff um, and laugh about it because we worked so hard to make it okay. Um, and then the next thing's going to come around and we're going to have to do this all over again. So um, just have to be prepared for that. And just, yeah, like you said, constantly working towards something better. Yeah. All
0: right. James.
1: I've I've been asking for this episode for like how long? I don't know. It's been a while. I wish you put would you know wouldn't have picked Mike because it's Mike, but like I've always wanted the <laughs> if we
0: if we didn't have Mike we wouldn't have Ashley.
1: Shit, that's right. Sorry. <laughs> I've always wanted the the spouse pers- perspective mm-hmm. on things. i and, and Jeremy and I have talked about it a lot, and you know like when we had Scott and Jan on, but I wish we kind of would have had them on together because I wanted that I wanted the communication. Like mm-hmm. I wanted the back and forth. I wanted you guys to share your opinions in real time together, and it's just I'm I'm grateful for it. It's fascinating, and I hope other couples are watching this and being like, "Oh yeah, I kind of got this shit figured out." Like <laughs> it's the same reason we started this podcast. Even if even if one person heard it and it helped them, you've done your part.
4: Yeah, I hope so.
0: All right. Well, well said, James. Most things I say usually are. Is right that out. a first? Pretty much. Yeah. yeah.
1: No, she said, hey, great question tonight after... No, you said great question after I asked a question.
3: Yep.
0: Uh-huh. I don't... Yeah, I don't we're not editing that. that shit. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's no instant replay here. <laughs> 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 All right, everybody. Ashley, Mike, thanks for coming. We really appreciate yeah. it. Thanks for sharing with everybody. Um, everybody else, thanks for stopping by. And, you know, if you are having a problem, reach out. There are resources out there. Mm -hmm. If you know somebody that's having a problem, actually talk to them, let them know what the resources are and don't do the thing that we all talked about tonight of doing the whole, Oh, you're fine. Okay, cool. See you later. Mm -hmm. Don't do that shit. Call them on their shit, but in a nice way, don't be confrontational. (laughs) Don't be confrontational because you know, that's probably not going to go well for you. Um, But show them that you care. Let them know what's out
3: there. Mm -hmm. So thanks for stopping by. See you next time.